to the Never Less Than Ill podcast. Glad to be back here with you. Yes, sir. I'm Justin Ivey, your host, and I'm with my man, the mastermind behind Bros Who Think, Mr. Lyndon Burton. How's it going, Lynn? Dude, doing well, Justin, man. Glad to be back. Glad to everybody who is listening to us again. Thank you for, uh, you know, just waiting during the hiatus. Some life shit happened, man. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> hurricanes and, yeah. life and work. Uh, yes, uh, life in Louisiana uh, has uh, reared its ugly head at times. But uh, <laughs> yes, it's uh, it's fun to get back to this. Uh, and uh, we got a we got a fun episode too. You know, we are, so far we've been we've been doing deep dives on artists, and it's been really enjoyable. But today we're just going to kind of roll into a little fun discussion about our tastes. We're going to take it back to the mid 2000s, talk about some of our favorite albums from 2004 to 2006. Yeah. And then since it's the Halloween season, hey, man, we're going to get into a little horror. We're going to get a little uh, discussion about some fun movies and TV shows to watch this time of year. So uh, we'll get into that, too. So, Lynn, man, to start it off, what's uh what were you digging back in the day? What were you liking <laughs> in the mid 2000s when you were really getting up on hip hop? So let me just let y'all know how old I was in the mid 2000s. So I'll say 2006, I was 15 years old. So that's the precipice of high school. That's like the, I was 15 in 2006 and four in uh, 2005. I was 14 in 2004. I was 13. So you're seeing a Lyndon who's being molded right now to be the guy that you know today. That's when I start getting into anime. This is where I start getting into rap. I start reading comic books. These three years are so vital to me. This is when I really get into basketball and I start hanging out with my dad because he has to bring me to practice. Thus, hanging out with my dad a lot, I get into rap music because he's a big rap fan. But not just a rap fan. My dad is a New York hip-hop head my dad was born in new york he grew up there his favorite rapper is jay-z and the notorious big he is an east coast rap stand so but he also liked west coast music as well the thing was he wasn't a big southern rap fan so in my first years of getting to it i'm listening to a lot of east coast stuff and west coast stuff but as i grow in high school and like i said i'm starting to get into basketball i'm starting to get good and I'm 15, so that's freshman year. About my freshman year of high school, I'm playing up. So I'm playing with the older kids in JV and varsity, thus riding the bus with them and thus learning about Southern rap. And so there, I'm starting to get my own taste because I'm on LimeWire, making CDs and whatnot. And that's kind of where it starts. So for me, the first album I would have to say that I discovered on my own, I'm not going to say what, how I'm not going to use some of the, my, my dad's album because those are coming. But the first album that really meant a lot to me was Lupe Fiasco's Food and Liquor. Listening with my dad hearing Touch the Sky, I was like, who is this guy? He just said back on first like Lupin the Third. And for me being an anime fan, when I heard Lupin the Third, I was like, what the fuck? Who is this guy? <laughs> like, did this guy just say back on third like Lupin the Third? Like, what? I'm used to hearing rap about guns and selling drugs. And but now I'm hearing about Lupin the third. So I go in. I'm like, this is amazing. So then I hear this Lupe guy drops an album. My dad told me about it. He was like, hey, the guy who made Touch the Sky just dropped an album. Do you want it? I was like, 
yes, but I'm gonna buy it. And he was like, oh, respect. And I bought it with my own money. He took me to Sam Goody, had it in my, because it wasn't uh, FYE at the time. It was still Sam Goody in the Lafayette Mall. For those out there who know a little bit about the Lafayette Mall. But I go into Sam Goody, buy it, get my own CD player. I was like, you could buy my CD player (laughs) because I didn't have enough money at that time. He bought my CD player. I buy the album. I just remember being in the car, reading the booklet, seeing these things called credit for the first time. I was like, Pops, what's the producer? He was like, the people who make the beat. Because at the time, I just thought the rapper made the beat. So I'm learning everything about hip hop through this one album of food and liquor and just hearing kick push daydreaming with jill scott the cool hurt me soul uh american terrorist the empire soundtrack he say she say it 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 was a monumental album because not only did it have melodies and good production but the rapping was some of the best rapping i can remember lupe still to this day is one of my favorite lyricists of all time and like i said it wasn't just the typical rap. No, you have comic book bars, you have anime bars, you have someone talking about his life. And now being my age, looking back on it, I relate to it more because back then I didn't understand what he was saying. I just was liking the cool bars. Now it's like, whoa, I see the story of his come up and everything that he went through. And it just makes that album mean that much more to me. So first album I got to say is food and liquor. Mm. Uh, it's, it's funny. It, you know, I think of uh, like at that time, you know, food, uh, food and liquor being like, that was like Lupe emerging as, as one of the new guys, you know, for me. Um, and, but looking, you know, I, I just kind of thinking on it, I bet that album was like that for a lot of people. Like it was for you. I, I think I bet that album was sort of a touchstone. Yeah. And maybe, uh, you know, in terms of like lyricism, like one of those guys that just kind of, like if you're a fan of lyricism, one of those guys that really grabs you and kind of makes you want to just explore that world. You know, that, that you nailed it on the head. Like once I realized rap was more than someone else I have on my list. And this is no discredit to that person because he raps really well. And we'll get into that. But it made me be like, oh, this guy kind of reminds me. I don't know if you remember when we talked Slick Rick about listen, being in my mom hearing children's story and that type of storytelling. I was like, this guy is a storyteller for the modern day. And it made me just dive into other lyricists in that time period. Nice. nice. So uh, what you got first album? Yeah, for me, I'm going to go. I'm going to start with one below and his album Sonogram. Okay. Now, uh, definitely, uh, one below in binary star is some uh, or, or somebody who I've wanted to, you know, cover on this on this podcast for sure. Uh, so even if even if we can't get a full episode on him, I'm gonna make sure to mention him here because uh, Sonogram uh, was a special album because I guess it it was sort of uh, me sort of realizing just how deep one below's talent was as a solo artist i had i had discovered binary star which was a duo at the time and they had a classic album masters of the universe in uh you know 2000 and so this was one of those kind of important underground albums that kind of shaped my my vision and, and what i you know thought hip-hop was what i my sensibilities and then here in the mid 2000s uh, like one below had put out some other stuff but they, this was his this was his album, kind of his magnum opus, kind of. Gotcha. And uh, 
I just, I was addicted to this album and I just, I loved it. Like the sonogra- uh, sonogram was an anagram, you know, it's like, it, it stood for something uh-huh. uh, each word. And I just sort of like delved into that whole, that whole world that he was creating. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I think that whole Michigan scene where he's from is like really underrated. Like obviously Detroit is well known, but uh, there's like this whole other side of Michigan that's kind of, got some got a really cool scene like with the, with him and uh like the athletic mike league and guys like that and uh yeah so uh yeah fittingly enough there's a song called the underground on this and that was like uh that was an anthem for me almost mm-hmm. it was like being an underground rap fan is like that song was was the anthem it was the it and was the album again because i want to check this out one more sonogram sonogram okay by who one below. One below. Got you. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I used to just, I used to play that album so much. Uh, Unparalleled was another song that I love. Uh, Majestic Legend, who uh, ended up being part of uh, this group called the Black Opera later in life. Uh, he was on there. Uh, used to be Fly was another song I, I love. But yeah, like I was saying, that, that underground, the underground record that was called The Underground, uh, that was just, I, I used to just love playing that record because it just felt like it was speaking to me you know mm-hmm. uh, the whole idea of it you know the concept is kind of the very kind of the anti-mainstream you know the, the kind of that we're doing you know this is the digging in the crates this is the the old the you know playing in the dive bars this is the yeah you know, that kind of atmosphere and it's just I, I think that song like more than anything to me is is, is a great uh description of just people that love the underground hip hop kind of life. Hell yeah. I'm checking this out literally as soon as we finish. And then looking yeah. at one below's uh, album covers for some of his others, like the Luma, so mm-hmm. his album covers are insane, man. Like these yeah. are some of yeah, the best. Yeah. yeah the co- he, he's, he's like one of the most conceptual artists I've ever listened to. I'm excited. So I'm checking out Sonogram. This is dope. Okay. So uh, I guess I'll go next. And then, uh, so if food and liquor was my taste into lyricism, then and Lupe Fiasco is one of my favorite artists. I'm going to give probably the artist that I ride for to this day, even through his antics. Uh, this artist allowed me to find arguably one of my favorite artists of all time. When when you talk about this artist, I always defend him. This was the conversations in the car when my dad was like, Jay-Z is the best rapper. I was like, Oh, no, 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 no. There's this kid in New Orleans who's absolutely incredible. And I'm talking about <clears throat> Lil Wayne with the Carter Two. I mean, how much can you say about the Carter Two? The Carter Two is arguably Lil Wayne's best album. Some people say the Carter One. Some people say the Carter Three. I say the Carter Two is. And just when Lil Wayne's with Manny Fresh, it's one of the most unbelievable combinations just this is the album that takes him from under not underground, but not necessarily the mainstream rap star. This takes this album takes him from that to making him a sensation with tracks like Fireman, uh, the best rapper alive and really Hustlers music. When I heard Hustlers music, I was like, wow, what an incredible song. And then the bounce back with Robin Thicke on Shooter. I was like, I haven't heard rap like this. And it was just absolutely amazing. and getting currency on this, getting some corrupt on this. Like I said, Robin Thicke, it was the first for me for a lot. And 
this album is really what cemented Lil Wayne is probably my favorite rapper of all time. If not, it's him or Drake. And like I said, I go back and forth with those two. But this album is the one that really did that and made me be like, hold up, Pops. Jay-Z ain't the best rapper alive. The best rapper alive is from Louisiana. We got to ride for him. And like you always say, the fact that he's from Louisiana made me want to ride even harder for Lil Wayne. The best rapper alive since the best rapper retired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's interesting. Um, so I'm I'm one of those guys that says the Carter one's the best. Oh, okay. So, but um you know, what you're saying though, that was the Carter two was the album where he took over. Yep. Uh, yep. you know, I, I think the mixtapes obviously were a big a big role in that dedication and and, uh, and if we're being honest, the mixtapes m- or his best work, in my opinion, like the Ooh, I don't I don't know I, that might be a topic. That's a that. that's a that's definitely something where we should get someone that you know that's like a big Lil Wayne journalist, and yeah. we can discuss which Lil Wayne is better, mixtape Wayne or or rap or album Wayne. But just in that, this album, like you said, is the one that it it catapulted this, him. This was the album where he you know he became. A, a bona fide star because Lil Wayne's career is very kind of odd in a way. Mm-hmm. He started so young and he sort and he very much kind of established himself, you know, with the hot boys as a solo artist in the early 2000s. But it kind of peaked though, and like he kind of fell back and then had to regrow that. Yeah, in a way, it was, you know, I think the thing was is there was always something about him that stood out. Like I was mm-hmm. a I was a huge Wayne fan pre-Carter days. Uh, part of that was just being in Louisiana, uh, but uh, you know he he had already he already carved out whatever you thought he was going to be like that. It already looked like you know he was a he was fine. You know he's a mm-hmm. good artist. He had some good albums, uh, but I don't know if you would have expected this at that time. Right, you didn't. It was it was kind of those squat up tapes and uh, things in that era where it was like oh, oh maybe he's doing this. And to, to me, it was like the Carter was the one where it's like. Oh, he takes over. And then that, you know, that does kind of open the door of like, you know, the Gilly, the kid conspiracies, all all that stuff. But, uh, you know, just on the face value of it, of, uh, yeah, the Carter era is where it is. And two is clearly the one where, you know, he, he's, he's emerged. And I think, I think it is one of those interesting things where I love the Carter one because it's so many fresh dominant. Yeah. Carter two is where he finally is kind of, stretching his wings a little bit and it does have almost like more of a east coast vibe and that's like i feel like that's why kind of east coast people started to kind of rock rock with wayne people. yeah and they were like oh okay you know, like he's not you know it's not <laughs> it's a little more up in our in our lane here but he still does have some good manny fresh stuff on there though oh yeah oh yeah that yeah that was one of manny's you know last uh last ones at cash money but you know yep. and uh Things have not been the same ever since. <laughs> it really haven't. Like, oh, I just, we'll talk about that whenever we do a Wayne episode, because I know we will. We have to. But th- just what could little Wayne have done if he if he stays with Ma- using Manny Fresh? And I just I think that that's an amazing what if I know Marvel just did their what if series. And on this, ep- I'm telling you, on this show, we need to do like a what if episode of like, what if Manny Fresh stays with Lil Wayne? What if Drake signs to Ninth Wonder? There's so many great what ifs of the rap world. God, I like, I like it. All right, well, uh, yeah. So 
you know, we were kind of trying to come up with the, our, you know, obviously we're, we're talking three years. There was a ton of great albums. So in my head, I was kind of doing the mental calculations of, uh, all right, you know, I, I, I want to put atmosphere on here and I want to put MERS on here. Mm. And I was kind of like, uh, you know, ah, but where do I fit them? But then I just kind of realized, oh, this is perfect. Slug and MERS did a whole album together. Felt too. Uh, it was the second felt one, and this was the one that Ant produced, whose atmosphere's producer. And uh, so, yeah, felt to a tribute to Lisa Bonet. I love that album. Nice. Uh, this was like, I was really, I was a big, I am, I still am a big atmosphere fan. But something, uh, you know, I always loved Atmosphere's album, but something about Slug's side projects always hooked me, uh, you know, like Deep Puddle Dynamics and stuff like that. But Felt, I really loved Felt. It was just him and Murs had kind of a, a, a unique chemistry that was really kind of fun. And they all and they also kind of had a, um, you know, in terms of content wise, they were kind of almost one of the few kind of indie underground acts I could like think of at that time that were kind of had songs about the ladies kind of, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's kind of, I, it, I, I'm so, I'm so like heavy into bars and, and things <laughs> like that. Like that's my, my lane. So, but it was just kind of fun hearing them do a little different deviation of what I was listening to often at times. And so I remember on that album, like your man's in them, that was a song that I was just addicted to that, that beat. I love I'm adding this to my playlist now because I love <laughs> MERS. As yeah. you know, I told you before we started, I have a MERS album on the list. So, Oh yeah. This to is, see MERS in a different bag. That sounds interesting. This is like, yeah. Like to me, like MERS and ninth wonder is, is some of his best, but like him and felt, I just, I love the felt albums and uh, yeah. Like, but like I say, the, your man's in them. That was just this record that I was, I had on just constant repeat. It was just, it was one of those ones that you, just, I couldn't get enough of. I re- replayed all the time. You know, this is the days of iPod. So I'm just, I'm rewinding and I'm replaying it on the iPod <laughs> over and over and over and over again. And uh, man, what else was that? Uh, Dirty Girl was on that album. Uh, 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 Early Morning Tony. That I, I just love the- What a the, good name for a song. <laughs> the breakdown of that. Uh, Woman Tonight was on there. Uh, yeah. Uh, early morning tony another like classic ant beat like if i was putting ants best beats together like that's one of them i just uh and it almost had kind of it it almost felt like it was more west coast flavor like it was he was kind of giving something for murs and but slug sounded just as great on it 100 okay i dig that i'm definitely gonna check that out so this is where i'm gonna get into like okay my pops definitely like inspired me for some of this and this album became one of my favorites. And I went very mainstream kind of for my first two. This one, I'm going to take it a little underground with high tech and high technology volume two. Really love this. And I think high tech is great from the songs like Baby, We Can Do It. You're nothing to it. That's my jam. Uh, Money Don't Make You Rich. Let It Go with Talib Kweli and Dion. Super great. You get a Bun B and Devin the Dude song with So Tired that I love. Buster Rhymes makes an appearance on Music for Life. You get a great Ghostface killer verse on Josephine. But this album, if you like great production with uh, a myriad of different artists, seeing them in high tech's world, I think it's absolutely incredible. And high tech, high technology volume two might be my favorite high tech album of all time. Mm, nice, nice. 
you know, for me, like high tech is always going to be the reflection eternal album. Like that's the one I got. That's Mm -hmm. the one I go to, uh, you know, first more probably, you know, not just because it's kind of a classic, but it, you know, just that first impression of it. Uh, But yeah, those high technology albums are, are really dope. And they kind of, I think what's interesting is, 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 high tech's kind of stretching a little bit. Like I think yep. of when I think of high tech, I think of reflection, the turtle, I think of the first mood album that was this group in, uh, in Ohio. And, uh, and, and it's kind of, you know, it's got that kind of classic, uh, you know, the, the backpacker as they yeah. call it now. And it's like, I, I do love kind of high technology and that is, it does feel like he's challenging himself at times. And it's, it is a very interesting album to, to revisit. I like that pick. No, that invite if you're gonna review any of the high technology uh of that of that like trilogy, two to me is is the one. Mm, yeah. I, I think that's a good call. I think that's a good call. Now uh I'm gonna go uh take a little trip down south here uh okay. for, for my next one. And but not maybe the south that anybody would expect. Uh going to Gainesville, Florida. Ooh, okay. And a group called Sign C Y N E. Okay. I, I I was back in the blog era. Uh, you know when I was just getting my start, like <laughs> I was championing these guys like crazy. Uh, I wanted them to blow up like crazy. They, they put out an album called Evolution Fight that was just amazing. Like I put it up there with the best albums of that year, the best albums really? of this whole time frame we're talking about. Like this was amazing to me. They kind of they they you know, they sort of if I'm if I'm looking for a comparison, maybe like early cunning linguists uh that we've talked about on the podcast yeah. before, more of that like kind of before no kind of was stretching his his wings a little bit on the production end and kind of going into new territory. There, there's a little bit of that, but there's also kind of a little bit of like Northwest, like Pacific Northwest flavor to it. Um, I, you know, I kind of think of like artists in Portland and in Washington, like in the in the 2000s, like they kind of okay. have some of that uh, sensibility to them too, but. I really love the sound of their albums, but why I was addicted to them is that they had this rapper named Psy Star. There, uh, there were two okay. rappers in the group, but Psy Star was the one that I just could, I was hooked on everything he wrote. Does he have an interesting voice? Because I know you with these rap, you love rappers with like interesting well, voices. I love, I don't know if I would say his voice stood out in particular, like not like, you know, the the ones I would rank in the top, yeah. you know what I mean, like Rockness Monster from Hell to Skelter and stuff like, like not just a crazy voice, but he he had a, he, it was more like his storytelling and the okay. precision of his writing, and there was this one song, um, up above, where he's just he's talking about he's talking about you know losing someone, and he's speaking to him up above you know up yeah. above literally, and it's just so. It almost was like religious in a way. Like it wasn't a religious song, but it, it was had poignant. that like spiritual kind of feeling to it. Gotcha. And then uh, there was another song called Rousseau. And I just remember, you know, you know, I'm in high school at this time. And so I'm studying things. Gregory like, Rousseau. Like, yeah. I'm studying Rousseau. And it was like, so somebody, a rapper naming that a song was like, 
Oh, huge. okay. Yeah, no, I get that. Thing. And it just, I, I just love that song because it was another one. I, I was always, I was always a big fan of songs that didn't have like a real hook, like where they were just rapping and there was a, you know, a sample or there was yeah. a, a, you know, some kind of break in the beat to kind of guide Switch the song up, that yeah. way. And that, and that's one of those songs like that. And so those were kind of two of those songs that just all, like really stood out for me, but really I can play that album front to back over and over. Uh, it, it's just one of those evolution fight. They have a lot of great albums. Honestly, they have another one called water from Mars. That's excellent. Uh, that I would kind of maybe debate with myself, which one's the best, but uh, evolution fight was the one that, you know, it's always going to hold a special point place in, in, in my, you know, psyche. Cause it's, mm-hmm. that was the first sign album I really heard front to back. Uh, you know, I kind of seen their name around on the blogs and, and things like that, but that was the first time I really experienced them. And, and I love that album. Hell yeah. I'm going to definitely check out sign. Cause anybody rapping about Rousseau, like I got to check that out. <laughs> That's a f- great philosopher. So, okay. So I'm going to take it to Detroit and we're going to go slum village, uh, Detroit deli, a taste of Detroit. This is the song. This is the album that has selfish on it. Uh, baby, we, uh, you know, the classics. I'm stalling, baby. I'm selfish. And this is straight up backpacker like that. Kanye, uh, Jay Dilla, that just amazing Midwest vibes from just the backpacker origin, the backpacker era. And it was just awesome. If you like great samples, melodies with just dope uh, rapping, it's absolutely incredible. Not only is selfish on there, the hours, things we do, count the ways, dirty, do you. And let me tell you, no features. It's them. It, I mean, it's two people and it's them with their great production. So Slum Village, Detroit Deli. That's I got to give that another credit to my pops. That's one that was always in his uh in his CD collection. Another one I stole. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I was break, when we were bringing someone like future episodes, like L's eyes, definitely someone we got to do cover. And, and so, you know, that delves into the whole slum village, but it, it is slum village is one of the kind of the more amazing hip hop groups in that I've never seen a hip hop group change his lineup so much and kind of <laughs> maintain a certain consistency almost, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's like, uh, for a lot of people, Slum Village is the Dilla era. You know, like that's the only Slum Village. Yeah. Like the authentic Slum Village is the the era where Dilla was producing. But to me, it's like the the Elzai years. I love those years. Uh, you know, not just because of you know my fandom of Elzai, but uh, I feel like he really made a left an impact on what Slum Village was. And but it is it is such an interesting group because it's like Batin went away he yeah. came back then he passed away and then it's like uh and then young rj stepped in later in the years and, and even then even uh jay dilla's brother you know did a little bit with them it, it's such a fascinating group they're almost like you know one of the one hip-hop groups i can think of that almost had like a rock type of career you know you think mm-hmm. of rock bands they go through that just re-switch people out yeah they got different touring guys and and, and, and this guy this singer this, leaves yeah this they get a new singer yeah like that was one of the to me that was one of the few hip-hop acts that like we accepted it you know mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like everybody else if like a lineup changed it just it caused like you would never accept it uproar you know it's like even little brother like coming back 
without Ninth Wonder, it was like there was a whole segment of fans that just couldn't accept it. It is like, but to, for whatever reason, you know, I don't know what, how, why Slum Village worked, why they got the pass. It was like, we all just kind of were like, yeah, Slum Village. That, that's still Slum Village. I, and I I, and this album, I think, was released right after Botson left the group. And this is with just T3 and Elzai. So this yeah, is yeah. the Elzai era. Yeah. Oh, yeah I, and see, I didn't, I didn't even know that, like, people didn't like the Elzai era. I just knew as a kid, like, wow, this sounds great. It reminds me of this oh, Kanye yeah. J. Dilla stuff. And I, and I rocked with it. I don't even think it's maybe, you know, correct to say they didn't like it. It's just, it's, you know, it's kind of that, uh, you know, territorial thing of almost oh, I got like you. slum village is J. Dilla's thing, you know, like that's J. Dilla, you know, it's like, oh, if it doesn't have J. Dilla producing the whole thing, is it, and they even had some like the producers on this. Jay Dilla did do you. You had BR Gunna do a bunch. Kanye did selfish, of course. And then T3, Young RJ and Black Milk. So it was pretty much Dilla, T3, Young RJ, Black Milk and BR Gunna. And oh, yeah. Kanye. It, was, it was it was still very Detroit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it, was still, it was like, you know, uh, I think I think, like I said, it's one of those things where it's just for some people it was going to be Slum Village is just they hit their highs essentially with Dilla. And it's like, is that Slum Village without Dilla? To me, it is, you know, it's like, I like, I like the evolution of Slum Village over the years. Same. Yeah. Oh, oh. So, uh, yeah. So I will follow that up with, I will be, I will stick in the South, but I will take it over to Texas. Okay. And I'm going to give a little love to the one and only zero. Nice, Mister uh, Mister Zero, the the to me the original rap crooner. All these, all these, <laughs> all these guys with the auto tune cannot match Zero. Hey, you do it by him damn self. You're right. Natural vocals and uh, uh you cannot be from himself. this area and not rock with Zero and Trey the Truth. So I, exactly. I rock with that piece. as he would call himself, Rother Vandros. Uh, but yeah, yeah, wait, future to see you're right. We got to give zero his props. He is, he is row for Vandros, whereas future's trying to be future, future van. I know you heard that future Vandros or future Hendrick. Nah, bro, it's zero. You right. I'm with you, Justin. <laughs> but yeah, so and what's funny is this era, 2004, 2006, there's actually a lot of good albums to pick from uh, zero. I was kind mm-hmm. of like debating, like, man, like these, this is some of my favorite era, zero, and uh. But I, I, I settled on The Life of Joseph McVeigh. I really, another one that's a great album front to back, but I think that, you know, it, when you talk about the Zero story, other than the Mo City Don freestyle, it's I Hate You Bitch. That's the yeah. single. That's the one That's the one that stands out. I mean, he's straight up singing on that album. He is. <laughs> when we're talking about, uh, you know, singing, that's, and it is funny because I'm very, like in terms of my hip hop, I'm you don't you don't rock with the singing. I'm not the singing guy. Yeah, I'm yeah. like I'm kind of like my mindset is always like if I'm want to listen to singing, I'm gonna listen to like listen to, yeah. soul and some funk and some R and B. Like that's what I'm gonna go to my singing for. But so for whatever reason, it's like zero just connected. It made it work. I loved it. You know, I think it was kind of uh, you know he wasn't quite like Big Mo like straight up singing. You know, zero still kicking bars all the time. Yep. But uh, but yeah. Like the Joseph McVay, that one, he also did a cover. I mean, a sort of cover, I guess you would say, of Crooked Officer that uh, the Ghetto Boys did. Okay. On that album. And that's another song, like, I was just, 
playing over and over again. I was like, crooked officer, crooked officer. <laughs> man, get these handcuffs, officer. <laughs> and that's where Wayne gets the, yeah, man. Yeah. I, I loved it. Is just, you know, I did kind of, it, it was, I feel like Zero was kind of a, a revolutionary in that. In that it's like he was one of these artists that was not afraid to kind of stretch push his boundaries and, and do something like that. Like we're going to have to do a zero episode. You, you just yeah, got me oh, hyped. Like, Oh, definitely. Definitely. Zero uh, assholes by nature with Trey. Uh, you know, we can do it. We can definitely go there. But yeah, zero is just honestly an amazing talent. And, and like when you talk about emotion and kind of uh, conveying pain in yep. a song, there's no one better than zero there's guys as good as zero but there's no one better than zero i agree me. no i'm with you and i'd say my album from that era would be let the truth be told great hmm. grade zero stuff but ooh, i like that choice all right justin you're pushing me i, I gotta I gotta, I gotta I gotta get up with my choice okay so this next one's gonna be shocking i'm going to the west coast a lot of people don't give this guy credit for his albums later in his career but I really think this is a great album from him in 2006. And the reason why I get onto this is through listening to West Coast Connect Gang, uh, West Coast Connection, and thus hearing his new album. But Ice Cube, Ice Cube, Laugh Now, Cry Later is an album that to me, it just did a lot for me being West Coast. And it's really why Ice Cube, this album is what makes me this in West Coast Connection is what makes me dive back and go into Ice Cube's later catalog. But to me, when you talk about the era of West Coast rappers of Easy e Tupac, Snoop, Cube, I know people may say this is blasphemy, but Cube is my favorite. And I just love how Ice Cube is a storyteller, the way he raps. I just I love it. And on this album, Why We Thugs, uh, Go to Church with Snoop Dogg, Laugh Now, Cry Later. Uh, the Mike Epps sketch on this, uh, smoke some weed, click, click, get back, chrome and paint with Dub C, you got a lot of, with Snoop Dogg and holla at your boy. This album is just a really good Snoop um, Ice Cube storytelling album and just rapping. Gotta give Ice Cube his credit because a lot of people don't give him credit for this album, but I think this album is really good. That I like, I like that pick because I think that's a good example of like just when we hear albums how we experience albums the way uh you know age play like people think of like age as a negative is like when we get into discussions like uh, your old head your young head like you know, no it's like that's kind of the beauty of of the listening experiences when we experience it when we yep. discover stuff and i think that's a great example it's like you were saying Oh, I, maybe they think this is blasphemous to think Ice Cube. Like, no, like that's the opposite. Like, it, like when you're talking to hip hop heads, like they're they're gonna say Ice Cube definitively. Like, because Ice Cube has three classics. Yeah, he does solo classics. Like, and at the end of the day, it's like, yeah, like I mean, in terms of a star, no, nobody was quite like Tupac. Like, there's nothing quite like that. And nobody's like of, Snoop. In terms of a brand, nobody's not like Snoop. Snoop has, has gotten to a place where he's where grandmas love him. Like, who would have thought the guy who made doggy style would have people's grandmothers loving him? Exactly. And getting into crypto, like that's what I mean. Like Snoop is a brand. 
Yeah. But I think when you talk about Snoop, obviously there's plenty of music that we love, but at the end of the day, it's doggy style. And then you're asking people, you know, people. I like the album with beautiful. I do. Everybody (laughs) kind of says, Oh, this is my second favorite. Oh, maybe that's why like it's doggy style and everything else. Yeah. Like ice cube. It's the three albums. I mean, it's, that was for a long time. I think that was kind of the, the, the milestone in hip hop. It was like, you were one of the elites when you had three albums that could be argued as classics. And to me, cube was always that. And like, but to, you know, focus on laugh now, cry later to me, that was almost a kind of comeback in a way yeah. you, you know, it's his, his stuff had kind of faded off. Like that was a reminder that cube still had it. Yep. Do so guy. He was still dope. I love that album. That's probably the last like ice cube album. That is, I, I really enjoy. Uh, but yeah, I, I would put that album. Obviously I couldn't put it next to his classics. Oh yeah. But, but that's an album I would absolutely enjoy. Like just playing any day is, is, is that is a dope ice cube album. And I, and I think, I think it's a great sign. It's, you know what I mean? Like where we discover something. Uh, and you even I, I go backwards. Sort of, I think, but it's, but it's almost like the importance to me is like, it all, you know, it bums me out when we have like older artists feel like intimidated to not release something like, Oh, I, I, I can't match up. You know, that's the thing that happens with Andre. No, they right? still need he's to like, do it because he thinks he's competing with the young guys. You and know you're I mean? not, no, you're just like, no. giving people music that, to me, when I think of artists who are older that drop, don't worry about anything that's going on in hip hop today. Focus on what you like and making good music. And I guarantee the people will come because like like for this album, for example, it's like Cube didn't focus what was going on with auto tune or any of this other stuff. He made an Ice Cube album and I mm-hmm. liked it because it was an Ice Cube album. And I'm sure people would if Andre 3000 came out today and made a live instrumentation Andre 3000 album? Does he not, re- like, people would go nuts. You don't, and for, and for artists that are older, they just need to just drop. Screw what everybody else is doing. Screw with that. Do what makes you happy and make the music that you think is good. And I guarantee people like us would love it. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I love that message. We, we're champions of that message. Uh, but yeah, it, so to, to go follow Ice Cube, I'm gonna go. Down. And we we both done five. I think this is your this is your fifth because we're okay. doing ten. Just keeping just letting the people out there know to, to how many we're doing. Gotcha. So for my, I'm gonna stick to the West Coast and I'm gonna go call back a little bit to our last episode. I'm gonna say Zion I. Nice. I, I talked about how much Zion I meant to me, how much Zoomy meant to me. Well, right in this era, Zion I dropped the album True and Living. And Mind Over Matter, the debut is always going to be my favorite. That was like this pinnacle album of, of, of what I love about hip hop. But True and Living was just so interesting, unique, special, kind of captivating. I, I just couldn't get enough of that album. Bird's Eye View, you know, uh, I used to love her as kind of the standard uh hip-hop analogy song where you know uh common is speaking about hip-hop uh you know as if it's a woman mm-hmm. and uh but bird's eye view also kind of takes that uh that perspective that perspective and it's zoomies vision of it 
And I just always loved it. It's like, you know, I know this would probably be blasphemous, but if like I'm talking about songs in that vein, it's like I would listen to Bird's Eye View over I used to love. Like that's how much I love Zoomy's version of it. And uh, I just remember on that album, there was a song I called I Need Mo. Mm-hmm. And it had these horns on it. And it was almost... You know, I don't I honestly don't know if they were played live or if it was just a sample. It's just but I used to like envision myself listening to it like I was in an orchestra room and there was just like some brass band like they play playing this song, you know, playing the beat while Zumi was on. As like it's one of those songs where I feel like almost the beat carries it away and Zumi's just kind of keeping the flow like and just kind of right. It's like I do sort of love that where where I'm so, you know, I'm such a bar focused, heavy fan, but I also love that where like just the rhythm takes over and you're just kind of amazed and kind of uh, wowed by the flow of what you're hearing. 100%. Hell yeah. I like that choice as well for you. Okay. So next up for me, I'm going to take it back to the South, go to Atlanta. And this is the last album of them as a duo. This is I knew of them before this album, obviously with Speaker Box and Love Below. But this is the album where I was like, OK, I'm a fan. Thus, I go back to Southern uh, Southern Playalistic, Catalactica Music and AT Aliens and Equimini. But I'm talking about Idlewild. I think Idlewild is an, an outcast album that doesn't get a lot of credit because of the album. And, I mean, because of the movie and everything. But this album is really good with Peaches, Morris Brown, The Train, Hollywood Divorce, Call the Law. I mean, we get a lot of Janelle Monet in this album. And I think this is like the first time really the mainstream sees Janelle Monet, if I'm not mistaken. I think this is one of the first times. And then again, you get good Sleepy Brown stuff, good Andre 3000, good Big Boy. And I think this is the album where Big Boy kind of takes the lead almost. And this is to kind of shows how, okay, Andre is going to take a step back, but big boy can still do this on his own. If he goes by himself, at least to a kid who's 15, like at the time, you got to think I'm thinking this at the time, obviously people have known big boy is great, but love this album, PJ and rooster, uh, much an angel. You're beautiful. When I look in your eyes, just a great album. And I had to give credit, some, some love to Idlewild in this conversation. Right. That's another one where I, I almost kind of vision it in that same way as Cube, where it's like, that's a great example of just like where we hear stuff, timing of where we experience it is like, because when you think of, you know, when I think of myself as an outcast fan, it's like Idlewild is the last album I would want to touch. Yeah. Like it just is. It's like, I think of it as, you know, like the soundtrack and like just kind of like something they did like to kind of go it's along like a little extra. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that. But at the same time as Hollywood Divorce is one of those songs where I, I still get kind of goosebumps thinking yeah. about that song. Like that, that was such a good song. And I almost, I almost feel like that song was sort of a, validating moment for Lil Wayne being a guest on it yep. and and not looking you know outshone or out outgunned by, yeah. by Andre 3000 like that was kind of a, a moment of saying like this is that era where Wayne is becoming 
And star. honestly, it's the birth of their relationship on how we get things like the real her with her and with three stacks, Drake and Wayne later, some of the other Wayne and, and three stacks feature. That's why, honestly, Wayne was able to do art of storytelling on Dedication 3, which is one of my favorite Lil Wayne mixtape records. So this album did a lot for me, at least. And like exactly what you're saying with like the Lil Wayne connections and everything that transpires in the future. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And Morris yeah. Brown's a great song. Like people don't oh, give yeah. Morris well, Brown Morris enough Brown, credit. <laughs> like I, I like to pick purely for that reason because, hey, we're, we're talking Outcast. Like this, nobody's bringing Iowa up. Like that's just, it's just where it is. It's like you know, just because of their standard is so yeah, high. it's so high. That's but if you give Iowa to another artist, it's one of their best albums. <laughs> right, exactly. Those those are the things that that happen. It's like. You know, and that is, you know, we were mentioning Andre kind of feeling, uh, you know, that 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 reluctance to release. That's part of it, too. It's like when mm-hmm. you set that standard for what you made so high, it's like and even his guest verses. It's like he always the, the you know, the anticipation keeps rising. It doesn't yeah, it keep, does. it's not lowering at all. Like the, the expectations are not being dampened in any way when Andre drops a guest verse. Uh, it, 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 but. I, I think what I love is just kind of living in that moment and releasing what's true to you is like, yep. you don't have to, that I, I never expect my favorite artists to recreate any like, their yeah. classic album and give me a second round of it. It's like, I, I'll revisit the class. I would like do what you give want me what's me. going on right now. And yeah. maybe I won't like it, but, but Hey, it, at least it, you put forth like, the effort. That's what matters. <laughs> Absolutely. That well, man, in terms of, Somebody like that to me, like somebody who 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 hasn't fallen victim to that 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 idea of ah, I can't match up to what I did. I'm gonna pick Ghostface Killer. Nice his album Fish Scales. What a good album. <laughs> I I think what was amazing to me with Fish Scales was I was in that kind of uh, that that mindset of like oh he's put out Supreme Clientele and iron man and this is the best we're getting ever you know like this is mm-hmm. like i'm gonna like some ghost face stuff that he puts out but, but you don't get better than supreme but this, is the, iron this man, is the yeah. and fish scale basically slapped me in the face and it was like that. no 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 <laughs> we can get that quality still yeah okay. and that's why and you know for me jizz is always my favorite wu-tang member but i think in a way Fish scale might have like locked down Ghostface as my number, number two because it was like, how can I deny somebody hitting these many highs? You know, it's like we're just the quality of this guy was incredible, and like you just go from songs from the champ to to whip me with a strap. Yeah, like, man, like oh. that that soul like oh my god, like Ghostface on a soul sample is it's incredible is perfection. That with me with a strap record is 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 where it is. Like I I could put that up with any of Ghostface, you know, sample soul sample. And you get a good Cube feature and a good Kanye feature to finish out the album with Be Easy and Back Like That. This is a great album. Oh yeah, and like in terms of like finding the right samples, I can't. I mean, I can look it up. <laughs> I can look it up and find whatever you know obscure song or whatever it is. But finding the sample. Of all around the world today, 
the kilo is the measure for the song kilo like oh my god that's amazing that was one where uh, i love those where the where the where the hook is based on a sample and it's just to me like just the digging in the crates involved in finding that sample and getting it to Ghostface and Raekwon, who are going to be perfect for a song about kilos. Yep. And that was just, that was perfection. That was studio perfection. Which Raekwon feature do you like more on this album? Ragu or uh, Kilo? I'm going to go with Kilo. Just because okay. that, I'm a Ragu favorite. guy. I like, like Ragu. is amazing. Ragu <laughs> is definitely amazing. And that was, yeah, I mean, that wasn't a great, that was a, almost an important album for Raekwon too. Cause it's like before the sequel to only built for Cuban links is like the Raekwon albums were kind of up and down. And it's like, what'd you think? It's like, I, I liked a few, I like these joints. I didn't like this, this, that you're cute. nailing on the head. Why I have Ghostface above Raekwon for me mm. in, uh, Oh yeah. In Wu-Tang rankings. Ghostface consistency is almost unmatched. I think, head. I know how you feel about Jizza. For me, I think you're talking exactly why Raekwon's my number one. And I would have Meth, Meth or Raekwon too. Uh, probably Meth and then Raekwon. But man, this Fish Scale album is, this is in my dad's car. He was like, look, he was like, if you listen to any of these guys that I'm listening to, <laughs> this is the guy I want you to listen to. He had this album, uh, Supreme Client- uh, Clientele and Iron Man always in his cd driver at least one of them through i think still to this day like rake like as much oh. as my dad loves jay-z and the toys big <laughs> ghostface killer is his guy and fish scale was one of those albums where i was like wow this guy could not not just rap but keep you enthralled in the music just with the way he does it how it's off kilter is it on beat isn't it who knows who gives a damn this sounds incredible. And there's no action Bronson without <laughs> fish scale and Supreme clientele. Uh, yeah. I, I think like I was saying is Supreme clientele always will be my favorite ghost face album. I think it's the arguably the second best Wu-Tang solo album. Uh, and so that, that was, that was kind of where I was at with fish scales is like his subsequent albums. I was just like, Oh, it's like I'm enjoying these, but it's like it's not going to be supreme clientele. Like uh, <laughs> that is this this peak that cannot yeah, yeah. be uh, uh, this mountain that cannot be climbed again. And Fishgale's like, oh wow, like we're, he did it. Okay, he, he did. This is it. This is like this is not. It's not supreme clientele, but this is like this is as damn close to supreme clientele as you can get. And so, uh, yes, absolutely love Fishgale's. So. Uh, all right. What, what's what you thinking? What's uh? What's so for here? for next me. So right now we both have six. This is my number seven, and this is not us ranking it. This is just the seventh album we've said. Okay. So I'm gonna go to uh Florida, to Miami, to an artist that at the time when this dropped, people were like, "Whoa, what is this? This <laughs> is taking soul samples. This is talking boss talk. This is." extravagant rap. This is I'm a guy pushing pounds and just the biggest gangster in Miami. I'm talking Port of Miami, Rick Ross, the ultimate boss. When I heard hustling, I was like, whoa, what is this? And then you go from hustling to boss to cross that line with Akon, Foot of Low, White House. Just this album introduces us to Rick Ross, who you can argue in terms of mainstream 
is one of the best album mainstream rappers we got. And it starts with Port of Miami. Mm. That's a good point. Uh, funny, Rick Ross was someone I never connected with in that way. It was it was funny. It's like obviously hustling's undeniable. It's like that's a yeah, that's <laughs> that a was a record song. that was like it was just everywhere. It's like I just remember and push it, push it to the limit, Port of Miami. <laughs> but I just remember it's like what what was interesting about Ross is he got better. As he, he was did. going, it was like, poor, uh, you know, that was kind of the birth of his, his mafioso persona, his, yep. uh, his, you know, his, his, his Cuban drug Lord, uh, uh, uh stuff. And the funny but thing the, is the next album, the albums don't get better because been up, been hustling is a step back with the lick read is kind of a step back as well, but then you get to Trilla. Okay. He's getting right. better deeper than rap. He's really getting better. And then by the time you get to Teflon Don, it's like, oh my gosh. Right. That's where he he's reaching his 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 potential as a rapper. Yeah. It? And I think that's what and it's funny. Is is Rick Ross is one of those guys where it's like, I never deny the talent. But it was just like he was always one of them where you know the stories came out about him and the correctional office stuff. And it's just I didn't find out about that till later. So right. like 15 so year old Lynn is digging this shit. Oh yeah. No, no. And so it was always so hard for me. Cause it was like, you know what? He didn't, uh, he didn't kind of embrace it and just kind of be like, yeah, I'm kind of did. playing the persona. Yeah. And this is and like, I'm taking you in this world. It was like, no, I'm this guy. And so I was just, I sit there as like, you know, me being the, uh, you know, the, Blogger, this, yeah. this head is like, uh, well, wait, no, no, no. I listen to the real stuff. Like, yeah. why, why am I listening? You know, that kind of thing. As That's like, really fair. And as, But I think Rick Ross is sort of a great example of just like, sometimes talent is undeniable. And so I think that's where we get, you know, we get into arguments over music on certain stuff. And, and, and it's like, on some level, it's preferences. It's, uh, you know, it's just our subjectivity of what we like. We mm-hmm. just like, but I think there's certain things that are objective. And it's like, even if you dislike Ross or do, the music doesn't connect with you, you can't doubt him, Ross's yeah. ability to rap. You can't doubt that he can put an amazing 16 together. You can't deny his ear for beats. You can't deny, I mean, his, he's great at sequencing in terms of uh, like, if, <laughs> if you're trying to think of a great executive producer for the next like two decades, like go to Rick Ross. Rick Ross, yeah. Want uh, for me, I always wanted like in my head. I always imagined and wished for like gunplay to have Rick Ross's career. You know, like have yeah. his success. Like to me, that was like, oh yeah, like wait, you're rapping gunplay stuff. Like this is, <laughs> the, well, I want to hear gunplay. And, and you know, at the end of the day, it's like Bible in the Dash, and then the uh, you know the Kendrick feature. That and was, that's that, it. Those were the those were the peaks we got from uh, gunplay, but. Uh, in, in an alternate universe, maybe gunplay would have been. Yep. <laughs> so what you so, got next? Uh, going next, I'm gonna stick to the Wu Tang. I'm, I'm gonna go to my favorite, to my Jizza. guy, to the Jizza, and I'm gonna go with his collaboration album with DJ Muggs, Grand Masters. The whole theme and concept was based on chess. Uh, Jizza's obviously a huge chess fan, and so there's kind of there's these kind of samples throughout it of of chess moves and and kind of old tape that just kind of give it this kind of 
scratchy, almost like throwback 90s vibe. And to me, this is Jizz's second best album. Obviously cannot top Liquid Swords. That's the best. The classic. But Grandmasters is amazing. I still love the album to this day. I would put it up there with honestly any Wu-Tang solo album. And I'm sure like <laughs> people would give me crap about that and, and be like, oh, staying in on Jizz. And, and I'd be like, nope. Grandmasters is that good back to front. But I just, I really love that album because, you know, Jizzle was my favorite, but it was like, I, I couldn't, I couldn't pick an album to like hold up mm-hmm. as the number two. It was like Liquid Swords had established this reputation that was just unassailable. You know, it's just too high, it's too, uh, you know, it's too good almost, you know, to, to, to recommend the rest to Jizzle's catalog. It's like, well, yeah, I love this album, but uh, I can see why you wouldn't measure it up to Liquid Swords. Like Grandmasters was the one where I was like, yes, I can champion this one. Yeah. I can, I can love this one in that same way. I used to be addicted to the song "Those That's Bowed It" on there. <laughs> Just some of the rhyme structures and the storytelling, and uh, on that album, Queen Gambit is on there where he's doing the NFL storytelling using the NFL teams. That's uh, hard. <laughs> in his in his uh, well, you know, he has all these songs like labels and alphabets where he's he's basically challenging himself to completely do the story or the rhymes in a certain structure of where he must name something, you know, something related to it. Uh, fame, like he's naming nothing but celebrities. This one was NFL teams. And <laughs> I was just kind of dazzled, in, you know, obviously I had known Chisel could do this from the labels days, but it was like listening to him uh, talk about giants and bears and <laughs> saints <laughs> and just going through all these and just doing it seamlessly. It was just, that was that was the level of writing that I was impressed by and that made me a Jizz fan. It was like it was just reminding me, like, yes, Jizz is that elite, Jizz is that good. And honestly, like I, I gotta give huge credit to DJ Muggs because the sound of that album is like great. This, nobody made a Wu-Tang sounding album better than RZA, obviously or the Wu-Tang affiliate producers. But the damnest thing close to it is is DJ Muggs. Muggs. (laughs) He did it. I mean, I don't know how, like, I mean, DJ Muggs, amazing producer, Cypress Hills, uh, all those, you know, classic Cypress Hills records, House of Pain even, uh, and like his obviously solo work since then, but like DJ Muggs got in that chamber. He found whatever that chamber was that RZA was able to get in back in the night. And like, he replicated it. He, but he made it his own too. It was like it still felt like a Mugs album. It didn't feel like Mugs doing an impression of Rizzo. Got you. All right, I like that. I'm gonna have to definitely check that album because I know you love you some Jizza, and if that's the and if you say that's his second best, I gotta check that out. Oh yeah. So for me, next up, let me put my little check by it so I know that I checked it off. I'm going to Texas, and in 2005, three Texas artists dropped, or well, more than three, but. From the triumvirate of Mike Jones, Chameleon Air, uh, well, the the quadruple or, or, or the quadrum for it, whatever you, whatever four is, uh, Mike <laughs> Jones dropped. Who is Mike Jones? Uh, Paul Wall dropped. People's Champ, Chameleon Air dropped. But the one that I want to mention is already platinum. 
by Slim Thug, which dropped in 2005. What a great album. Like a Boss, Three Kings, Boys in Blue. I ain't heard of that. You get a great push of T. You get Artie Platinum with Pharrell. And then Pharrell doubles back on In My Mind and puts Slim Thug on it. You get Dedicate, This Is My Life. This album is absolutely great. I love Slim Thug's voice. I love Slim, how the way Slim Thug, Slim Thug tells a story. I love how Slim Thug makes a record feel. You just feel like you're sitting low in a low rider with candy paint and you're just driving. And this is the music I want to play when I'm in Houston, Texas. 100% is Slim Thug's already platinum. Mm. Yeah, that, that was that was a special time. That was kind of a Houston renaissance in a yep. way. Uh, like you said, those three guys, uh, Paul Wall, Chameleonaire, and and Slim Thug. Uh, I, I cannot leave out Mike Jones. Mike, just but he's the, like he's, he's the the smallest of the... Of he's the, the low, yeah. To me, he's not on their level. I, yep. I, I would, I would, you know, all those... Those three are tier one, there. and Mike Jones is in tier two. Absolutely. And but it was it was very interesting, you know, because you think about it, they're all associated. They all started at Swisher House. Mm-hmm. But Chameleonaire's gone from Swisher House when Sound of Revenge drops, and Slim Thug is with Pharrell at that time when when already Platinum dropped. And you know, I think that was another one, like you mentioned, Food uh, Food of Liquor earlier. That was another album that famously leaked. You know, it had uh, <laughs> there's a whole different version of already Platinum that exists yep. there. And it's kind of, I think that's, you know, that was one of those debates, like also with food and liquor at the time, where it's like, what was, what's the better version, the retail version or the leaked version? Yep. And, uh, but yeah, already platinum, great album, Slim Dog, really maybe underappreciated these days. It is. Uh, but yeah, Slim Thug struck it out the park with that one. It, it, it was kind of fun seeing Slim Thug emerged then too because the first time i had heard him was he did an album with esg another houston rapper and they had this song called get your hands up and it was big in louisiana like it was like that song i think it was getting some radio play as it like, was and i just remember it like hearing it a lot it's like obviously in louisiana we got quite a bit of texas stuff we did. And, yep. and and so it wasn't like crazy, you know, that that's this regional song had, had uh, you know, this local song in Houston had kind of reached us. But I just remember like being a like so into that song, like get your hands. Like I was always <laughs> singing it as a kid. And then there it was. It was like I rediscover Slim Thug a few years later. It's like he comes up and I'm like, wait a minute, that's Slim Thug. I know, I know Slim Thug. Like, it, was, it was like connecting dots in a way almost. And uh, but it was it was really cool because that that was a time where, yeah, I was going I was digging in heavy into the Swisher House and yeah, still tipping obviously had had just blown up then. Yes, it did. And, you know, digging into the day hell broke loose. Tape <laughs> and all that stuff. We got into that good stuff on the Paul Wall and Camille, you know, and y'all so can check that out. It's on the podcast feed. But uh, yeah, Slim Thug, absolute, absolute. So what so, you got uh, next? This is your number eight. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, for mine, I'm going to go up a little bit down, uh, go to the Midwest, go to Vock Hill out of Chicago. Okay. This is a guy that I feel like is one of the kind of elite MCs from the 2000s that got kind of overlooked or maybe uh, didn't get all his just due. 
Like this is a guy I would put up there, you know, with, you know, like a tech nine or, or, or uh, Chino XL or like, just like these guys where you think of like, just absolutely barring out. And he put out worst fears confirmed. I really, I really love pretty much every album that Vakil's dropped. Honestly, he hadn't put out a lot, but I love them all. <laughs> and, but worst, uh, worst fears confirmed. It's my favorite one. He had this song when the last time on there that he, he breathed on it. He, it Cause he, the lyrics was, when was the last time you breathed? And he would do this like right when he did it. And I was just, I love that. Like just that vocal technique of doing that and just, you know, letting the little breath, the little breath out on the record. Like I just, I, I was, I was so into that. I was like, that was so creative, you know, it's so simple but so creative in, yep. in that way. And, uh, but what I also liked on that album was, and I think why Vakil like really stood out to me was he had some elite lyricists on there as guests. He had Raz Cass and Royce the Five Nine. Oh yeah, bars. And so in my head, you know, as a lyricist fan, as a guy that was addicted to bars, it's like I held these guys in extremely high esteem. And so I see them on the track list and it's like, oh, wow. You know, it's like, I want to hear it just for that reason. Yeah. But Vakil, to me, came to play. Them. And yep. it was like, that was like, that was the moment. It was like, oh, yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm all in on Vakil. Like he's, he's hanging with them. He's, he's, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like you think of those there's these stories of like you know somebody writes their verse and it makes you go write something even Change better it, yeah. where it's like they're afraid to do a song with somebody because they're going to get out before it's like to me that was a guy like embracing the challenge like i'm gonna invite i'm gonna do a collab with like two guys that are gonna absolutely tear it down and, and i'm still gonna show. i'm yeah. gonna hang right there with them and so yeah i can't i can't say enough about vodka like if you're a lyricist if you're a fan of lyricism like honestly, his first two albums are amazing, and he just came back on it uh, recently. Okay. He, a, he put out an EP. I'm checking that out. And so it was really exciting to kind of see Vakil because he had kind of gone quiet for a while. So it was really exciting to see him come back recently. But yeah, worst fears confirmed by Vakil. I can't, uh, you know, talk about that album enough. If you got to just listen to one song, try introducing with Raz Kaz because it's like. It, it, it's and I love me some literally what the song is saying. It's like introducing, like if you want an introduction to Vakil, there you go, get it right there, and you get the bonus of Razkaz rapping his ass off. <laughs> Hell yeah, I'm check. Like you said, I love some Razkaz, love some Royce. I'm checking that out for sure. So I'm gonna do one more popular album because, like at this time, I'm not underground fan. I am a I'm a rap fan that's becoming underground, and I, my last selection will be underground, but this one to me is the magnum opus of this guy's career. This is the album that made him a mega rap star. This is the album that allowed him to call himself the king. It is T.I.'s King with uh, What You Know, What You Know I'm Gonna Key by the three, one of his best songs. Why You Wanna Go and Do That? Uh, Top Back, I Got My Beat Down Low. What just a great, Great album. You get Pharrell, you get Jamie Foxx, Live in the Sky. You get a U great UGK feature. I think this is the final time before T.I. really went super, super pop because yeah. everything else after is really, really mainstream and poppy. This is still 
tip with some 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 of that DJ drama flair, some of that old trap music stuff with just a little bit of mainstream in this. So to me, this is the final great T.I. album, really. Yeah, well, we're talking about I would put some other T.I. out. Maybe like, T.I. and T.P. Like I would put some other ones. I, I still think like he had some highs after King. But when we uh, you know, we talked about it with Ice Cube is when I think of guys with those three album runs like those, those really impress me when artists have those three album runs. And to me, Tip had that with Trap Music. And urban then, legend uh, urban legend and king, king. yeah like to me that was i mean <laughs> that's T.I.'s a great run ti's life is a mess right now oh for sure uh, but uh but yeah just in terms of the artist uh that three album run was like to me where you know where him calling himself the king of the south it wasn't a joke anymore like it's like you know, obviously to me, I'm I'm gonna put up, you know, Bun B or I'm gonna put up Scarface or I'm gonna put up yeah, Wayne so, before him. Like I'm gonna put the, like there's actually to me, those are the guys I would call the king. But it's like when he started calling himself, it was sort of like Wayne at that time, uh, you know, where he was calling himself the best rapper alive since the best rapper retired. Like it wasn't laughable, you know. Yep. It wasn't, oh <laughs> what kind What's of dumb, talking about? dumb bragging shit is this? It was yeah. like no, it was like I, I rock with it that he's saying this. Like this is I get it. Like this. There's is, so yeah, many this. songs on this album that are just. King like, is definitely amazing. I love. Yeah. I also love the, you know, that was, that was maybe a little bit before UGK's, kind of rebirth, and so him having that front back on was there, huge. Cut you know calling back to front back side to side like that. The, him doing that that meant a lot to me as a UGK fan. It was like, ooh, they're getting love like on a, on a, on a big album, you know what yep. I mean? And, uh, you know, I, you know, I have to kind of go back in time and think about it, but honestly, that was probably a big record in terms, it was. Of, in terms of getting UGK's name out there to a new audience. It, it really was, because like that, I remember at the time hearing that like I knew of UGK because of the stuff my pops played, but this was when it, when I heard that song, I was like, "Pops, is that?" And he was like, "Yeah, that's those guys." And I was like, "This is dope." So no, I, I definitely think that what you're saying is accurate. And just the amount of bangers he had on King was just it was it's so many. Oh, yes, it's a great album. It's uh, top. You mentioned top back. I used to. That, <laughs> that was, was my like, jam. Once I started, once I once I had my. <laughs> Like my license, it was like that was You're that was like a song that, that you wanted to you wanted to drive to. That's and, a uh, song you 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 work out to, you run to, you drive to. Like I just remember that song in which you know being like my basketball anthems. Absolutely, and uh, but I did I did want to say uh, before I, I I like stumble over myself. I, I I'm not in, in you know to my Jay Z heads out there. I am in no way downplaying. UGK's role on Big Pimpin', okay? So don't <laughs> calm down. I'm not I'm not trying to downplay that, mm-hmm. but I'm saying UGK was quiet while Pimp C was in jail. Yeah. And, and so this was this was when they were coming back. And I'm saying that <laughs> that's mm-hmm. why they were going. So before the Jay-Z heads get mad, I know the Jay-Z heads are, are very are very protective. <laughs> yeah, they are. <laughs> what you got so, next, Justin? What I got next. If I'm right, I believe we both have this pick. That's why I'm I was waiting for you to say, yeah, I, so I, I was going to use that as my honorable mention, but we both so have we it. Yes, double up on this. Sean Price, Monkey Bars. This is 
this incredible. is incredible. An amazing album. This is Sean Price's solo breakout. This is where we see that the guy that we knew is Ruck on In Hell to Skelta, who was super dope, but now we learn that he's a solo, he can be a solo artist. He's got this whole persona and charisma that is just absolutely undeniable. The album and, cover is so beautiful. Oh, amazing album cover. And this was one of the albums where I felt like I was first hearing Ninth Wonder outside of Little Brother. It's like I knew Ninth Wonder from Little Brother and, you know, Justice League stuff. It's like I knew that stuff. So, but then I finally started, you know, it's like he got the Jay-Z credit, obviously, on the Black album. But it was like, you know, where where else am I hearing night? Like this was one of those albums. It's like mm-hmm. we mentioned the Murs albums. Like this was where I felt like ninth. This is that era where ninth stuff starts kind of being omnipresent and hip hop. You know, we start seeing it everywhere. And he's got one. He's got stuff on uh on 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 monkey bars. Heartburn in my heart, you know. <laughs> just the way Sean would say that is, I just would love. I love that. But the song that I always would come back to on monkey bars was onion head <laughs> i was just they, i was literally you, just you, thinking like will he say onion head because if like not this, i'm gonna say it just that like that you onion head bastard like that <laughs> line just oh my god like that was that was sean the comedian like that mm-hmm. album was a great example you got kind of tastes of it you know on health to skelter albums and boot camp click stuff like you gotta get a taste of sean uh being funny but this was like Sean, almost not quite like Red Man, like just straight up cracking jokes like in bars, but embracing but just, it. But just having a natural humor to his life, and just I think of it in Brokest Rapper, you know, the fact he titled Brokest Rapper, you know, and then just goes into it. Like I was just like, this is this is great. Like this and is it, awesome. And it's funny too. Like I think of I think of like Brokest Rapper, you know, as as a song that. It's kind of it's kind of funny to look at it in the lens of today, like in mm-hmm. the lens of today, we see so many of these songs where it's like they're purposely kind of gaming the system of the yep. streaming of I'm gonna make this song a minute 30 two minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like back in the day, it would be like you'd be pissed when the song was less than three minutes. Like, Why is this song not three minutes? And it's like. But I remember like broke his rap, you know, it was like the way he did it, like the the. <laughs> just the song title the the cracking jokes on himself like it it worked it was like that that song link is why it worked like that was part of the 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 beauty of it was was that he was just he was calling himself the brokest rapper you know and he was on this really short song from a minute 35 digesting just just boom 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 in your face yep also got a shout out bye bye with buckshot on it love that song um the fake Neptune with Buckshot's also another good one in slap boxing. Love that song. Mm, slap boxing was a great one. Uh, another thing that was just really dope about that album was just kind of like the whole boot camp click was involved in, like just in terms of guest appearances. And I just remember, you know, like the Smith, like Smith and Wesson had, uh, you know, they had the trouble like with their legal legal rights over their name, you know, <laughs> so, you know, because of the gun. And, uh, you know, so for a while, they were the Coco Brothers. <laughs> and uh, 
And so it was just fun. Like that was the air. Like they started going by Smith and Wesson again. And I, I was like, it just felt like it was the real them, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I just remember that air, like it was that same time, Bunky Bars, and they were appearing on there. And uh, it just felt like the real Smith the Wesson. So it was like that, that, that was a fun time, kind of like to be a boot camp click fan. 100%. And since me and Justin both have that one, that'll be my last one. But I'm going to, I got to be, I would be remiss if I didn't mention my final just underground because I listened to this album so much after I like I didn't find out it was from 2006 until after and I listened to this so much in college this was like my freshman year of college really just being a hip-hop head watching the office wearing hoodies just in (laughs) fall time weather Murray's Revenge Murray's the Ninth Wonder love this album from Murray's Law to Silly Girl to Barbershop to L.A. just it's a short album 10 track album but it's super, super well-produced and amazing bars. Yeah, I think L.A. might be in my top five, uh, not just murder songs, but Ninth Wonder Beats, period. Like that, I think that was some of the most creative beat-making on Ninth Wonder's part. And yeah, that that song was just perfect for murders. Like, (laughs) you felt like you were on... A walk with Murs, literally down streets of LA. Like yep. that's what that song felt like. Uh, yeah, absolutely great album. I think you know that that's one of those where it's a toss up between that and Murs six three sixteen. Like if you're talking mm. about which one's the best ninth Mur- in, uh, yeah. ninth in uh, Murs collab, that would be kind of the. I think for a lot of people, for me at least, that would be the toss up. I think for a lot of people, that would be the the kind of the ones they would. Uh, they would argue over and try to decide which one was the best. That's a good point. I I, I think I would go with Murray's Revenge, but three three one six is great too. I'm gonna have yeah. to, I'm gonna listen to both of them and give you a de- definitive answer in the next pod. Like just gut reaction, I think I'd probably go Murray's Revenge, and but I think part of it was almost like I was more connected to that album. You know what I mean? It's like mm-hmm. I kind of. Uh, I think I kind of experienced it in real time a little more. Like I might've, I might've found three sixteen, you know, three months or something after it dropped, as opposed to like going to the store and getting Murray's revenge at the, the music treasure chest. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. So what's your final one? All right. My final one. I'm going to go stick to the South and I'm going to kind of, uh, replicate my uh <laughs> my uh imagery here that i've been going for i we did a whole episode on little brother so i didn't want to go down that road again i didn't want to and i didn't want to do cunning linguists again but i would be remiss if i didn't say a piece of strange and mental show or or would probably be in my top five if we were talking this era mm-hmm. i just want to throw that out there but oh wait is that your honorable mentions let me say my two then real quick oh, go for it who is Mike Jones? Honorable mention. In my mind, Pharrell. Honorable mention. And People's Champ, Paul Wall. Honorable Ooh, mention. Love that out. Yes. So, uh, you know, we just we went into the, those guys heavy. So I didn't want to just kind of rehash, uh, you know, my feelings on those albums. But yes. But I do want to stick to North Carolina. You know, we talked a lot about ninth today. So I'm gonna stick with North Carolina, and one of the dopest MCs I've ever heard and one of the nicest guys i've ever met frankly superstition his album chain letters i just love this album this was 
this was kind of like little brother exposed me to North Carolina, you know, in a, in a way that I didn't realize, you know, it's like they showed me a whole other side of North Carolina, you know, beyond PD mm-hmm. Pablo at that time. And these were the kind of guys I was discovering was superstition at that time. And to me, this is, you know, in terms of writing and crafting bars and just being elite, absolutely elite as a lyricist, it doesn't get much better than superstition. Like this is the superstition is, is in that same vein of like, why I like guys like Jizza and, and even in, and so I, I just always love the champion superstition when I can. So chain letters, I got to show love to chain letters. Uh, Hate my face was on that album. I just, I love that idea that just that uh, this hook is like, that's why they hate my face. It's like, <laughs> I was like, Oh my God. I just kind of love that kind of beating your chest. Like, you know, fuck you kind of mm-hmm. thing. that one. And then, but there was this one song on that album called that ain't me. And I, it's one of, it, it's probably the superstition song that means the most to me, honestly, because I think it's almost a credo of what it's like to be a Southern rapper or a Southern hip hop fan in a way and be generalized, you know, and kind of this idea that you only like this certain sound and you only, you don't appreciate bars and you don't, uh, you don't like these things is like, you know, this is, it seems like almost a relic of a time, you know, in a way, like things have kind of uh, broken down in that sense, you know, it's like the regionalism doesn't exist like it did back then. But at that time it was like, it was, there was a heavy bias against the South. It's like, there's, it even years after Outcast had said the South got something to say, like there was still that stigma. It took Lil Wayne, T.I., and everything that those two gentlemen did, plus what Ross did in the mainstream, because underground it was always killing, but it took those guys really blowing up with T Pain and taking over oh, the Grammy I mean, yeah. and stuff. It took the South taking over, is what it yeah. took. The South had to take over for it to get, for that to you know finally change. But I just love this song because it was the it was my anthem for that. It was like, nah, that ain't me. That that was the that's what he's saying. It is he's kind of you know, it probably doesn't look as great now where he's talking about like I don't have the grills. Like I I love I love rappers with grills. Like Paul, we were talking Paul Wall and Chameleon Air and all that. But uh, like it was just that I love that kind of. That said, that speaking out like no no no, there's more to us down here. We have diversity. We have different styles. We have different things. We don't all just do this. We don't yep. all just do that. Like we, this is all kind of different stuff. And I'm gonna show you that. Kind and of the so, same reason why I like the Lupe album. Like it was ooh. different. Yep. And so that that's why if that ain't me. That song in particular, right? But I really, I'm just a big fan of the whole Chain Letters album. Like if I'm picking a, a superstition album to recommend it might be it might be chain layers like that might be the one uh i just i really appreciate that album and uh yeah superstition always will stand out to me in that era hell yeah well those are our 10 albums justin this might be our longest episode yet it might be yeah. <laughs> i think uh i think and i appreciate y'all for sticking with this and doing it and and uh and then rolling with us as we I hope did they enjoyed it because I, I love this conversation. I loved it too. It was fun to kind of, you know, bounce off. You know, we've been working together for a while and we've been uh, knowing each other for years, but it's kind of fun to just 
go back and forth and just talk about our tastes and what we like and yep. what shaped us. What uh, what was it? Because this was like you were saying, you were in, you were just getting started in high school. Like this, that was same for me. I was at a similar spot where you know I was in high school and music just meant so much. You know, it was like my whole worldview was uh, you know being shaped by hip hop in a lot of ways. That's a and, fact. And if and you so, love these years conversations, let us know in the YouTube comments or on Twitter at Justin Ivy or LimbWT what year you want to see us do next. Because I'm telling you, we want to do more years and then we could do like 2004 versus 2012 or we can do versus years. So let us know what years you want to see on Twitter. All right. What a very fun conversation with you, Lynn. Always, uh, always fun to talk about uh, hip hop with you. But it's the Halloween season. So. And I'm a big horror fan. I know. Yeah. So we got to do a little, a little horror talk, a little movie talk, a little TV talk before we get out uh, this week's with our, uh, you know, we always like to give them a little listener laying up. Our longest episode, but you're a horror guy, Justin. We, we have to give them our horror suggestions. So, uh, man, for the Halloween season, what are you recommending people watch? Okay. So I got, Two movies that I'm going to recommend for people to watch. Funny enough, we have reviews on both of them on the Bros Who Think Network, YouTube exclusive. So if you're listening on YouTube, you can go check out these reviews. First one I'm going to do is Midsommar because it's a Swedish film. Well, it, it takes place in uh, Sweden or, or I think it's Sweden. It's either Sweden or Finland, one of them. I think I think it's Sweden, but it takes place there. It's directed by Ari Aster. And uh, it's it's with A24, which is a great production company. And Ari Asher is one of the best horror directors. He just did Hereditary before this. This stars Florence Pugh, uh, Will Poulter, the terrible Jack Rayner. And you'll know why if you watch this movie, I can't stand him. But this movie is scary in the sense that you feel weird the whole time. And then when you find out what actually happens, it's like, what the fuck? It's not a lot of jump, like no, not really any jump scares. It's just scary because of the situation and what's going on. But Midsommar has to be my my first suggestion. What you got? Oh, like I like that because Midsommar, um, that's it's a movie that reminds me of one of my favorite movies, uh, favorite horror movies, The Wicker Man. It's got mm. the original Wicker Man, I should say, not the one where <laughs> Nick Cage is dreaming <laughs> about bees. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely, you could definitely tell Ari Aster was influenced by it. Uh, but yeah, great movie. Florence Pugh is awesome in it. Uh, one of my favorites today. I'm going to go, since it's Halloween, to me, I'm going with the quintessential Halloween movie. To me, like, you cannot live your life and not watch this movie if, if you're trying to experience Halloween. Trick or Treat by Michael Doherty. Ooh. It's the best anthology. Horror what a movie. good movie! I, I mean, I know that's high praise. You know, in, in terms of like creep show exists out there. <laughs> Trick or Treat, amazing anthology, and just perfect for Halloween. It's got the mischief of Halloween. It's got, it's kind of you know, it's got the gore, but it's still kind of playful. And the and the little character Sam, after, named after Sam Hain, uh, yeah, he, he's just a perfect kind of little mascot almost. And it's and, on Hulu right now. Oh yeah, it, it's uh, it's on there right now. Uh, I think it's on HBO Max too. And oh, okay. uh, so yeah, 
Oh, Check. that's why it's on Hulu then, because of the premium HBO subscription. That. Well, yeah, it's on HBO and HBO Max. You've never seen Trick or Treat? Like, that's what you got to do this Halloween. Like, don't go to a Halloween party. Don't go to, <laughs> I don't care. You've watched Trick or Treat. This, that's what you got to do. Hell yeah. Okay, so HBO Max for Trick or Treat Midsommar is on Amazon Prime if you have Amazon Prime. The next thing I'm in my final recommendation, which I don't think is streaming anywhere. I really don't, but you can rent it. It, and we just did a review, like I said, on the Bros Who Think podcast, on the uh, Run It Back, on the Bros Who Think YouTube. It's an incredible movie. It's a 1996 cult classic. It revolutionized slasher films. The fact of how meta it is, it had a young cast of characters that they en- ended up doing a lot of great stuff from Matthew Lillard to Courtney Cox to, uh, I, f- I forget who plays Phoebe, but, uh, oh, Neve Campbell, David Arquette. I'm talking about the legendary Scream. The first scream is so damn good. And the funny thing is, I don't know if you know this, Justin, we talk about this on the review, but I'll let y'all get a tease for the type of information you'll get. The movie was originally supposed to be called Scary Movie. That's why they that's why the spoof is called Scary Movie, because it's supposed to be called that. But scream, it's absolutely phenomenal. And funny enough, Justin, you kind of look a little bit like David Arquette, just a little bit. Have you ever been told that? Never, never. <laughs> Let us know in the comments if I'm crazy or if I'm right. First time for that one. I guess I, I <laughs> guess that makes me a former WCW champion. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Wes Craven, one of the best horror directors of all time. Scream, definitely a classic. Uh, I'm going to stick with the Halloween vibe, and I'm going to recommend somewhat of an obscure film. It's called okay. WNUF halloween special it, there's a horror streaming service called shutter they're very oh, nice. generous with the uh the free trials so if you're if you're <laughs> like into this movie trust me there's a there's a free trial of shutter to be found and sometimes they're like as much as 30 days <laughs> um i love shutter i i recommend you buy it so, I mean, you, but, i'm gonna but check it, that app out if i get the free trial for 30 days that's crazy but this is there's so much good horror on there. You could, you know, fill up your whole horror Halloween ver- viewing for this. But the WNUF Halloween special is what I'm recommending because it's just an oddity. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a mockumentary. It's a fake mm-hmm. documentary uh, of sorts. But what it's purporting to do is be a live news broadcast. Oh, okay. And so you're, you're watching it and, you know, you got to buy in a little bit. Yeah, you got to suspend the disbelief. You got to suspend your disbelief, but you're supposed to be watching like a live newscast. And so you're watching it and they go to a, a, a haunted house and it's, you know, the, this, this newscaster out there like trying to like broadcast and see if it's actually haunted. And so it, you know, it's not quite like uh, like Hell House or something like some of those like where you see or Blair Witch Project where it's like, it feels a little more real. Like it had, it's a little goofy. It's a little, play, but it's just kind of got that, that right kind of Halloween spirit to it. And probably the funniest part of the whole movie is it's, is there's fake commercials. Oh, so okay. it's, it's, you know, it's supposed to be in the eighties. So all of it is like these eighties looking commercials, but they're <laughs> not real commercials. So they're just sort of ridiculous and kind of going That's over funny. the top. And, you know, like for a fake pizza place and things like that and a fake, uh, you know, haunted uh, Halloween maze and things like that. And so it's just kind of a, it's just very Halloween. It's just, I, I feel like if you're looking for a movie that just 
you're trying to get that Halloween vibe. You're like, maybe, you know, you know, we're still in COVID times and, you, and, you know, you can't go party or do whatever you want to do like normal. If you're looking to kind of get that Halloween spirit, this is a great movie to watch for that. Hell yeah. Do you have anything else? Any other recommendations or is that about it? I'll give one more just because if you, if you go down the, cl- the cliff of Shudder, uh, Netflix just put out this um, great new show called Brand New Cherry Flavor. Oh, I thought you were about to say Squid Game. I was like, I thought we were going to your Korean love. I was waiting for a Korean oh, movie. Squid, uh, yeah, Squid Game's cool, but I'll go watch Brand New Cherry Flavor if you're on Netflix. But anyway, uh, Brand New Cherry Flavor, the creator of it is this guy, Nick Antacosta. Okay. And he did a show for sci-fi called Channel Zero. It's an anthology. Uh, it did four seasons. Shouldn't have been canceled. Uh, but it did four seasons. It's really good. It's it's one of those perfect shows where you don't have to watch all four seasons. It's an anthology. You could just yep. watch one. You could just watch two, whatever you want to do. Uh, you could jump in on the fourth season and not, you know, uh, be needing Confused. to catch up on anything. But it's on Shutter now. And I can if you're looking for a good horror anthology, you know, quick watch, something that you can knock out over the weekend type of thing check out channel zero all the seasons are really great first one in particular is good uh but uh yeah I, i'm definitely gonna recommend channel zero as my uh my last one for our halloween uh, recommendations hell yeah hell yeah well the korean uh movie recommendation from justin counter has not gone up it's still <laughs> where it's at we're gonna keep a tab of it don't you worry but love being back justin this was i enjoyed this conversation thoroughly Absolutely. Always good to talk to you, Lynn. And thank you so much, everyone, for listening to us and supporting Never Less Than Ill. We'll be back soon with another show. Peace. Peace.